Welcome to Miked Up with Mike Kovac. And we have an uh, exciting 20, 25, 30 minutes here for you with our guest, Marshall Carper. Marshall, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me. Uh, thanks for joining us here, Marshall. And for those who don't know, uh, Marshall is from Cannonsburg. He grew up and went to McGuffey High School. And he's got a lot of interesting stuff going on in his life. He's an author. He is a adverse in, or I guess adverse might be the right word. He is an, uh, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu. We're going to call you an expert right now, sure. if that's all right. <laughs> yeah, that's not uh, not quite that level, but I appreciate it. That's fine. <laughs> no problem. We like to build you up here, so we <laughs> want you, you to come back in case we need you. But uh, how's things going? Uh, things are busy. Things are really exciting. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a good time, absolutely. Okay. Excellent. And uh, Observer Reporter readers, you'll be able to read uh, upcoming uh, Monday, uh, a feature on Marshall Carper, written by staff writer Natalie Miller, who's sitting here with us right now. Natalie's not joining in, though. She just wants to feel the excitement of her first podcast, and I think it's probably everything she's going to want it to be here. So, um, anyway, let's get rolling here, Marshall. You know, um, you know, one of the cool things uh, you just uh, re- released a video game, from my understanding, and uh, if we could talk a little about Super Brazilian Jiu Jitsu Dojo Storm Championship Edition. Do I have that correct? That is correct. We were tempted to add 2K at the end of mm-hmm. it, just to, to <laughs> just make the title. As long uh-huh. as possible. Um, so, Super Dojo Storm is uh, a retro style game. It's kind of an RPG mechanic, so any, any nerds listening will understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you played Game Boy games in the 90s or the late 80s, you will recognize the mm-hmm. aesthetics that we went with. Um, it's basically a big inside joke for anyone that's pretty ingrained in the fight community. Okay. So, it's very much a, a niche audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, very much plays to that community. So it's uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, we crowdfunded it to make it happen. A mm-hmm. uh, bunch of local guys did it. They're from the Mon Valley originally, and now they're based in Philadelphia. Uh, they were my partners. They did a lot of the art and the programming, and I did most of the writing and creative direction with it. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, it was really cool to see the fight community support it, and it's kind of the first kind of game of its kind. Uh, so that was fun. That's we had cool. no yeah. idea what the reaction was going to be, mm-hmm. but we found that uh, just in my work in the fight world over the years. There's a surprisingly big overlap between nerds and people that love martial arts and the fight community. And you'd think that wouldn't be the case, but it turns out that a lot of those guys were kind of like me. They got picked on a lot when they were younger. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, well, I'm going to learn how to fight. And they still kept all their nerd tendencies. Like, I can't tell you how many world-class fighters I know that love Magic the Gathering, the uh, trading card game. Yeah, Yeah, uh, it would really surprise you. You wouldn't know looking at them, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. Well, how do you come ab- about, you know, developing an idea, uh, getting it going? Wh- what steps do you need to take? Uh, how did you get to the point where this game became a reality? Well, so I've always been an independent creative. Um, I've never had a real job, quote unquote. Uh, That's awesome. It's always been freelance writing, freelance work, and then that moved into marketing. So with that kind of, I don't know, I guess life experience is the way to put it. If I wanted to build something, it was always on me to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. And eventually, after you do that for so many years, weird ideas don't seem that weird. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. meet the right people and get the right people to collaborate with you. Uh, you can make some pretty cool stuff happen. Um, and I think that's the the neatest thing about the internet today and things like crowdfunding and YouTube and social media is that if you have a good idea and a powerful community behind you, you can make a lot of cool stuff happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a pretty exciting time to uh, to be a creator. And how did, uh, you know, how do you, um, I guess you have a, a gaming background, you know, what, uh, you know, you kind of talk about that a little bit. What, uh, you know, for me, I remember, uh, playing Atari, uh, as a little kid and, uh, 
I wasn't allowed to have one, mom and dad, but, uh, you know, I, I got to play my neighbor's Atari. So what were, you know, how did you kind of get involved in all that? Well, I played a lot of video games. Um, probably no i'm I'm not gonna say too much because it was really enjoyable (laughs) uh well so since i was bullied quite a bit uh video games were a big refuge for me Mm -hmm. so i really enjoyed just getting home and locking the door and me and my brothers just playing games um that was a big part of my childhood so we started out on the original nintendo the uh, nes and we just played anything and everything we get our hands on so all the classic rpgs uh legend of zelda final fantasy dragon warrior that kind of stuff i don't know how uh how, how nerdy your audience is getting but, but i see your podcast guy is nodding so i really appreciate that yeah. we need to fist bump here and, and a quick <laughs> uh, nice okay um so i just i just always played games and it's just always kind of been a part of my life experience and i've stuck with that um but those roots those original influences have kind of uh kind of echoed throughout anything I've done. It's hard to get away from them. Yeah. Video games, uh, for me, uh, kind of kept me away from college classes quite a bit too. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Halo three was not good for my academic career. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm, I probably didn't feel very good on some days, you know, we'd have, uh, Sega NHL 94, 95 tournaments, right. uh, Tecmo Super Bowl. Uh, you could get the entire floor together Absolutely. and everybody would draw a, a team out of a hat and go at it. You know, next thing you knew, two days had gone by and, oh, I forgot to go to class. But, that's you the know. power of video yeah. games. That stuff is so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And then I think we went to uh, oh uh, Resident Evil if I remember correctly, I was in college when that yeah, came out too. Yep. So that's a great, great game to be addicted to. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to sit here and reminisce for a while. If we keep doing this, let's keep moving. On okay. Here, I was so. going to say, I'm okay with that, but we can, <laughs> it, you're, you're driving the boat. So wherever you want to go. Yeah. So do you, do you represent Mudsville or Pittsburgh more in, uh, in this game? <laughs> um, both actually. Okay. So, uh, Mudsville is a kind of a, a parody of, some of the more McGuffey areas, very mm-hmm. rural kind of areas. And it's all very tongue in cheek. It's all very much satire, uh, you know, to the level of not quite the extreme of like a South Park satire, mm-hmm. but it's very much just poking fun at the kind of things that I grew up with and kind of experiences I had. Like I grew up doing things like rodeo. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people look at me now and they're like, oh, that's kind of strange. And One of the first it, stories I did was on a rodeo, professional rodeo guy. There you go. Yep. There you go. It's a, it's a tough life. Yeah. It's a tough life. And, um, so those are there's a Ben Fold song where he talks about his redneck roots, mm-hmm. always looking at his heels, and that's kind of how I feel sometimes. <laughs> and uh, it's it's really informed a lot of my life experiences having that that kind of country background. So I like to think I'm both at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I love the big city, but I also really enjoy what it means to kind of be a blue collar worker and just working for your family out on the land. That's kind of trying to balance both of those things. Yeah, I grew up in Somerset, which is the other side, you know, mm-hmm. country too. And we always said, yeah. take me out of Somerset, but you can't take the Somerset out <laughs> yep, of it. You know? yep, so, absolutely. Um, how do you, how do you get, uh, you know, the games that, uh, that you design, where are they available at? Uh, where can people uh, check these out? They're available on iOS and Android. Mm-hmm. So if you just open up your favorite app store, you can download it. We're trying to get it on steam here soon, but uh, right now it's mobile. Cool. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I believe eight books, right? Yeah. I've written a bunch. Um, and I've ghostwritten a couple more, so it's it. It's weird to start starting to lose count. Really, of, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's uh, it. I've been I've been very fortunate. Um, I've worked really hard, but I've also had a lot of people that that helped me and guided me and gave me opportunities. Mm-hmm. So it's been uh, it's been pretty exciting. Most of those books have been in the the mixed martial arts space. Mm-hmm. So if a fighter needs a book written, whether it's a technique book or some sort of biographical work, they get partnered up with a co-author, and that's 
guy like me with yeah. a tape recorder and a notebook and a lot of time, <laughs> and I, uh, I I put put the book together for them. So that's led to some pretty uh, interesting experiences as well. It's it's been pretty great. That's awesome. Uh, are you familiar with Josh Koscheck from I Waynesburg? Am. Do you I, know him? I, I I've not worked with him personally, mm-hmm. but you can uh, you can't be involved in MMA and and get away from Josh Koscheck if you're from around here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah he. Uh, yeah. Our, uh, when I was in sports, we, uh, we have a long standing relationship with Josh. I know. Uh, you know. We've went out and covered some of his fights uh columbus he's uh, incredibly like talented yeah. yeah and he's, he's he got played the, the heel for a long time there too so yeah that's the weird thing about mma even more so now than it was 10 years ago five years ago is the marketing machine is starting to look a lot like professional wrestling mm-hmm. so the fights aren't rigged you know that, that'd be pretty crazy if they were but in terms of how they promote fights, it's so much about the drama and oh, this guy hates the other guy. It's like no, let's just let's just appreciate the beauty mm-hmm. of the fight. But it's hard to get away from that kind of marketing. Yeah. Now your your background, it from my understanding, you went to Hawaii for for about five months and and trained with uh, BJ Penn. I believe yeah, it was. yeah, BJ Penn. Uh, he's a UFC and welterweight champion. Um, he's now a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. And there's always kind of echoes of him coming out of retirement. Uh, Again, just the, the marketing machine. I guess mm-hmm. somebody will pay for it enough. Somebody will come out of retirement. Um, I did that when I was a, uh, a junior in college, uh, going into my senior year. Um, there's a cool program where if you're a state student, you can go to any other state school in the country. So mm-hmm. if there's uh, some local state college students listening to this, they should take yeah. advantage of that program. Um, I went to Hawaii for six months and scheduled all my classes around the training times at BJ's. And uh, I was on the mat twice a day, five days a week. And how how rigorous was it? How tough was it? And what was he like? That's, that's three questions at you right there. Yeah. So let's start with uh, with, with BJ because that's kind of that's one of the big ones I, I get a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, BJ also kind of ends up playing the heel a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to your point about Josh Koscheck and the strange thing about MMA marketing is that people start to accept a lot of that stuff as oh I saw this on camera so therefore oh this person must be a nice guy or he must be a terrible person he must be. An- Mm-hmm. Um, I want to kind of say that on your podcast. We can I'll, edit I'll it out back. if, yeah. I'll hold back. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so with BJ, a lot of times he's portrayed as being not a nice person or a, 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 a gruff person to kind of be around. But my experience with him was him and his family, all of his brothers and his mom and his dad were some of the most generous, welcoming people I've ever met in my mm-hmm. life. And and I saw they were doing a lot of the fight promotion stuff. I was there when he was getting ready for his fight with Sean Shirk and his fight with, uh, he had fought Joe Stevenson at the time down there as well, I believe. And, uh, as soon as the cameras come on, he, he just wasn't comfortable around the cameras. Mm-hmm. Like he just wasn't who he was, but outside of the cameras, he was one of the nicest people I've ever met. And I've had the opposite experience as well, where people that they're like, Oh, this guy's so cool. He's gotta be the nicest guy ever. He was the biggest jerk that I've ever, <laughs> some of the biggest jerks. And so that, that marketing, it gets to be frustrating as I've spent a lot of time kind of on the other side of that line. Um, but BJ was incredible, uh, both as an instructor and his brothers, uh, spent a lot of time with his, uh, his older brother, Jay and learning from them. And they were just some of the nicest people I've ever met. What's some of the, you know, what, I guess, what are some of the things that differentiate Brazilian jujitsu from some of the other styles? that are, are out there in MMA? Yeah, so jiu-jitsu is all the groundwork mm-hmm. that goes on MMA. And there's a couple other styles that contribute to that as well, but that's kind of the, the uh, short answer. So if you're on the ground and you're trying to maintain position or work for a submission, trying to get the guy to tap out with a joint lock or a choke or something like that, that tends to be the jiu-jitsu. Now, 
Jiu-Jitsu as a self-defense art incorporates standing techniques. There's techniques for strikes and defending strikes and that kind of stuff, but it's not nearly as evolved as something like boxing or kickboxing mm-hmm. or Muay Thai. Um, and there's also takedowns in, in Jiu-Jitsu, but it's also not nearly as evolved as an art that specializes in takedowns like Judo or Greco-Roman wrestling mm-hmm. or even the folk style wrestling that's uh, pretty popular in around. In McGuffey, yeah, yeah. Around these parts. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a lot of the mat work, submission-based mat work. Now, what? Um, I, how tough was it out there? I mean, was it was it something? I mean, I, it was probably fun, but may, maybe fun. I don't know. What was it like <laughs> when when you train? Loving fighting is a weird thing because it's at the same time really painful, mm-hmm. but so it's a strange addiction to have. Um, and I think again, a lot of the wrestlers that might be listening to this will probably understand that. Mm-hmm. Where it's it's just a grind to get good at something, where it's you versus someone else, and you're trying to hurt each other. Like when that's the when that's the goal of what you're doing. It's a it's a strange hobby. It's a really strange hobby. But um, it was pretty physically challenging. I'm not an incredibly natural athlete by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I'm on my third knee surgery. Uh, I have a lot of other health problems, partially because of my <laughs> my, my, yeah. my my addiction with fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, but training in Hawaii, the, the twice a day was really the biggest thing, just getting the recovery time to try to, you know, you train in the morning and you're trying to go to class and get back to recover for the evening training session. It was really difficult. Um, and I got hurt a few times because of that. So it's, uh, it's, it's rigorous. It's rigorous. Uh, did you try poi? Uh, yes. It was delicious. Was it? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, pretty much all Hawaiian food is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, really good. I always recommend Loco Moco. So if you're going Loco down there, you got to try that out. I have a uh, cousin who just moved out there too, so maybe I can try to direct him some places. Yeah, I think uh, you should go visit him. At that, you know what? He he extended the invitation, yes. so take him up on be, that. Yeah. yeah. Well, when did you decide? Like when coming back? I mean, was it something? My time here's up. Was it something? Uh, I got to go back. You know, how'd you end up coming back here? Well, I was really broke, Man. so the entire trip, you were in college. Right? Yes, <laughs> the entire trip was built around uh, taking advantage of that that state exchange program mm-hmm. that I mentioned earlier. So as soon as uh, that was running out, I tried to extend it. I tried to do do a second semester, but it was like over summer break and having to find a place to stay. So just ran out of the funds to stay any longer. Um, but it opened up a lot of doors for me, so it was absolutely worth it. Was it one of those things when you when you got back? Did you know you had a potential for a book, or was it something down the road? Uh... Yeah, I mean, so I'm, my uh, my writing mentor, Alan Natali, we had talked before I left, and we'd kind of spitballed around. There's probably something, something there. there yeah. So I just took a lot of notes and uh, wrote a lot of like journal entries and stuff like that. So I had the material, mm-hmm. but it's hard to go into something like that. To, to say, okay, this is the story, because I had no idea what I was going to experience. So I had to kind of experience it and then get away from it and kind of look back on everything and see how the pieces fit together and figure out and really just kind of digest the experience that I had to find the story. I hoped there would be a story there, and it turned out that there that there was. Yeah. What's maybe the uh, wildest thing, craziest experience you had out there that you feel comfortable sharing with oh, the audience? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes my life sound a lot more interesting <laughs> than it is. Um, Okay, so I went sled riding in Hawaii. In Hawaii, um, on the Big Island at the top of uh, Mauna Kea, there's a NASA observatory. Mm-hmm. It's one of the clearest skies in, in in the world, so they have an observatory set up there. Since the observatory's there, there's a road that goes all the way to the summit, and it snows. So we went up there and we rode boogie boards around. Um, 
that was I probably got more hurt doing that than I did actually training because uh-huh. it's like half an inch of snow and then lava rock. Yeah, yeah. but th- so that that's that's the weirdest experience because people don't expect that. But the snow, whenever it snows really bad, locals will drive up and they'll fill the back of their pickup trucks with snow mm-hmm. and they'll drive back to town as fast as they can. So you'll be laying on the beach and like snowballs will fly past you because someone uh-huh. brought a bunch of snow back. So that was that was pretty surreal. Yeah. It, was, it was pretty weird. That is pretty. I, I had no idea that it snowed in Hawaii at all. That's pretty cool. It's so. a it's a strange place. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting place. Yeah. How about the people? What what are they like out there? The the people are, it's 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 a complicated culture. Um, there's a lot of great books about uh about Hawaiian culture. There's a great novel actually called uh called the Tattoo, and I had to read that for one of the classes when I was there. And the Tattoo is a lot about the racial tensions in Hawaii and I'm reading it and it's like, Oh, I'm a white kid in Hawaii by myself. I'm just going to get beat up every mm-hmm. time I walk around the corner because there's a lot of colonial influences and it's a, it's a, it's a long, long arduous process to even just talk about all the stuff that's come in. But basically Hawaiians have a lot of struggles that a lot of people on the mainland didn't know, don't know about. And I didn't know about it when I was going there either. But my actual on the ground experience was, Everyone was super nice to me. Mm-hmm. I felt at home there very quickly. People invited me over to their house for dinner. I didn't have a car. People gave me rides all over the place. Really generous, really open. I had a lot of great experiences because of the people in the gym were so willing to open their homes and their arms to me. It was pretty. It was pretty cool. I, I can't. Couldn't have asked for anything better. Now, are these some things we can read in the the Cauliflower Chronicles? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Available on Amazon. Available. Yeah. On, and you recently updated it, uh, or not too long ago? Yeah, I, uh, I I got the rights back from the book, so I did a I did a second edition, and I added. Um, I wanted to do like a DVD commentary kind of okay. thing to it, because. Uh, the book is about the time I was 21 when I did all this and I'm almost 29 now. And even in that time, a lot's changed Mm -hmm. and it's, it's really strange to look back on it. And I, I still meet a lot of people that are fans of that book and it's awesome, but they kind of think, Oh, I'm meeting this person in the book. It's like, well, no, almost 10 years has Mm -hmm. passed. So I did some commentary about reflecting on those experiences and what I think of them almost 10 years later. And I didn't think, that's been really done in a lot of books. So I was just like, I'm always, always want to try something new. I'm always trying to experiment. And so I was seeing how that would work. And for people out there who, who are writers who want to get published, what kind of advice do you have for them to, to go about getting it done? Yeah. Uh, hustle. Mm-hmm. That's uh, point number Paul one. Heyman, hustle. Yeah. You got it. You got to hustle and you got to be willing to grind. Um, you know, the, there's a big misconception that you can just write a book and then you go go find it public go find a publisher for it but really it's at this point you know maybe you start a blog maybe you grow a social media following you get a bigger email list that way when you do go to the publisher with your book you can say hey i've got x amount of people that are ready to buy this book because they're already fans of me mm-hmm. um and there's also the self-publishing route which you kind of still need the same thing you still need an audience of people ready to buy your book so if you're starting from zero, just start just start publishing in small magazines, start publishing on small websites, and just grow and grow and grow until you're at the book level. Mm-hmm. It just it just takes a lot of time, a lot of time. How long did it take you? I mean, it sounds like you, you got through it pretty quick, huh? Well, I started publishing at 19. Okay. I started freelancing when I was 19, and I got Cauliflower out when I was 23. Okay. Uh, that is a little bit faster than most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I, I'm very I've been very fortunate. Um, but I also had, uh, I mentioned Alan before kind of guiding me, helping me 
avoid a lot of the pitfalls that hold a lot of authors back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that said, I still didn't get published through the usual process. Like I didn't submit my book and then get a letter back that said, hey, we're interested. Yeah. I ended up having, having to network my way into the publishing house through some, uh, through some other writing that I was doing. So it's a, it's a tough industry. It's a really tough industry and it's changing every day. So to start writing, get an audience. And once you have an audience, it's a lot easier to, to move your books. And did you do a lot of writing when you weren't playing video games in high school or, <laughs> um, I didn't do a whole lot in high school actually. Um, Neither did I. I was, I was a pretty terrible student, really terrible student. So if you, a lot of my, my teachers are still there and they're very surprised that <laughs> anything at all happened with me. Um, I was not motivated at all and I waste a lot of opportunities because of that. Um, so I played a little bit with writing. Um, Mr. Macbeth, uh, uh, Andrew Macbeth, he was uh, he was one of my high school English teachers. Yes, yes, he did. Yep. Yeah, uh, great guy. And I frustrated him to no end. And I've gone back to speak at a lot of his classes because he's like, you should publish these shorts. I'm like, why would I want to do anything at all? Mm-hmm. And just, but so now every time I see him, he, he just reminds me that he was right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Teachers like to remind uh, people yeah, when they're uh, right. My mom yeah. was a teacher. She's always telling me she's right about stuff. Everybody likes so, to be right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, being bullied when you were younger. Uh, McGuffey was in the, in, made some national news uh, within the last uh, few months for a certain bullying incident. Was that something? I mean, did you follow that? Did it, did it hit close to home? Uh, just knowing maybe you had been through bullying there too? or um, I, I did follow that. You know, a lot of my, a lot of my bullying started, I went to a small Christian school. Okay. Um, and a lot of it started there. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of that in McGuffey, not to the same extent okay. that, uh, that I, that I, that I had previously kind of my uh, first grade through eighth grade experience. Um, but a little bit of that at McGuffey and it's, uh, bullying such a complicated thing. Um, trying to think the best place to start here. Cause the incident you're talking about was, is a lot of, uh, homosexuality, yeah. hate and yeah. kind of protesting, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the, that, that, that movement and everything that's going on. And it just makes me sad that y- y- when you're in high school, it's really easy to feel like this is my bubble. And there's nothing else outside of it. And when I was growing up, I really wish someone would told me that there was life outside of high school. Because when you're like face to face with it the whole time, it's really difficult to see that. And there's been, you know, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, his, name, his name was Chad. He killed himself mm-hmm. when he was at McGuffey uh, in the locker room with his, uh, with his rifle team and that with his rifle team rifle. Yeah. And stuff like that is, it shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to happen. And I don't know what the solution is because a lot of it is people being afraid of people that are different and not recognizing that that's actually a really awesome thing that people are different Mm -hmm. because that's what makes humanity interesting to me. Like I could not bear to hang out with someone that was me. (laughs) Like that would would drive me absolutely (laughs) insane. Uh, And there's so many, there's so much diversity, even in our community, you know, in little Washington, we're not, we're not a big city, but there's a lot of diversity here. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of really fantastic people. Mm -hmm. And it's sad that that's not being embraced. And whether that's parents or teachers or educators, I imagine the problem's really complex, but it's tragic. Absolutely. Well, we're going to switch gears here a little bit. That was, we could have probably gone on there for, for about 20 minutes or so, but yeah, that, that's a tough one. Yeah. It's uh, really emotional for me. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to switch gears here real quick. We're going to, a uh, little segment I like to call rapid fire. I'm going to oh, throw no. some stuff at you here and, uh, and we're going to see how quick you come up with something here. Favorite fighter. Uh, BJ Penn. Favorite book you've written. I've written 
Oh, uh, Marcelo Garcia's advanced jiu-jitsu. Okay, we can talk about that another yeah. day. Pitfall or River Raid? I'm an Atari guy. Uh, River Raid. River Raid. Yeah. Do you remember the code to Contra? No. Uh, okay. No. No, I don't. And, and now, now your podcast guy's ashamed of me. <laughs> <laughs> what What is your favorite video game? I've probably spent the most time on Ultima Online. Mm-hmm. Is like uh, the precursor to World of Warcraft. Okay. Just as addicting. Okay. That probably also did not help my high school grades. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot of things hurt them. Uh, can Ronda Rousey beat you up? Absolutely. Would you let her? Probably. I would yeah. try. <laughs> I would try to defend myself. Yeah. Uh, Ronda's absurdly technical. Yeah. Like really, really technical. Um, yeah. I would not want to fight Ronda Rousey. I'll, I will pass on that. Sports or fitness hero? Sports or fitness hero? Um, oh, man. Sports or fitness hero. I look up the BJ Penn a lot. Uh, Marcelo Garcia, he's a jiu-jitsu guy. I'm a big fan of his. Okay. I'm 41. We're in a octagon. You've got one arm tied behind your back. Who comes out of who comes out the winner? Oh, you do. All right. Yeah. yeah. I'm a total wuss. I didn't say I was good at any of this stuff. I've just done it for a long time. <laughs> and uh, McGuffey's got a big football game tonight. Uh, McGuffey or Burgerstown, who comes out, uh, comes out at the other end? So when I was in high school, and I, I think this is true, um, I was on the soccer team mm -hmm. and there was it's a, a year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a year where our soccer team outscored the football team point for point. Wow. Yeah. So I'm going to go Burgestown. Yeah. Go Burgestown. I don't know what the football team's like these days. I have no idea. Yeah. But I'm just going to say Burgestown. I think they're both around three and three, four and two, one of those things. So it's evenly matched, but, uh, and, uh, you have survived rapid fire, Marshall. How do you feel? That was a tough experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah that, that, was, that was hard. Right. That was difficult. <laughs> I was not ready for that. Well, and uh, again here, uh, you know, uh, Marshall Carper, um, we have a uh, feature on him coming out Monday's Observer Reporter. Uh, his books are available on Amazon. There's eight of them. Are they all on Amazon? or? Yeah, Amazon's the easiest place. Okay. Absolutely. And uh, the Super Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Dojo Storm Championship Edition. I, that's a mouthful right there. Yeah, but that I was like intentional. It. Yeah. yeah, it's meant to be weird. And and it's available on, on uh, iPhone, Android, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, hey, Marshall... Uh, uh, appreciate you coming in. Uh, no, I really appreciate you having me. This was fun. Looking forward to Monday's Observer. And uh, to read that story, visit www.observerreporter.com. And thanks, everybody, for listening to the latest episode of Mic'd Up with Mike Kovac.